Hello and welcome to the Rare Disease Cell and Gene Therapy Weekly Roundup. I'm your host, Apana Krishnan. As part of the continuing World Orphan Drug Congress special, this episode discusses the CGMP facilities and biosafety solutions from germ-free. P4A's Sophie Schmitz looks back at the 2019 conference and Terrapin's Andre Singer talks to us about what to expect from next year's WDC. But first, here's Sophie Schmitz and Germ-Free's Director of Regulatory Affairs, Carol Houts. Hi there, we're at the WODC in Washington and I am here with Carol Houts. Carol, tell us a bit about your role at Germ-Free. Sure. Um, I'm the Director of Regulatory Affairs uh, for Germ-Free. We're an off-site construction uh, cleaner and manufacturer and uh, we do a lot of work in gene therapy, uh, cell therapy and viral vector processing. And um, as an outcome of that, we end up supporting a lot of the uh, rare drug uh, manufacturing development and commercialization. That sounds interesting. Tell me, how have you found the conference so far? Oh, it's been fantastic. It's a, a beautiful merge between uh, scientific um, aspects, patient advocacy, and manufacturing has been a significant topic here. Hasn't it? As a conversation, yes. Yeah, yeah. I've been quite surprised, actually. And, I, and maybe it's more focus on cell and gene therapy, but manufacturing has been a significant part of this conference and some of the concerns and I guess some of the constraints as well. What, what do you make of the some of the constraints that have been talked about. Yeah, so one of the things that especially um, companies in the gene therapy, cell therapy and uh, viral vector um, processing areas are facing is that um, they may have worked at the at the bench scale and mm -hmm. now they're going into early clinical trials. So yep. They need to scale from that for early clinical studies and um, you know they have no facilities to uh, to actually manufacture product and so when they go to contract development organizations um, to help support the manufacturing process there's at least a sometimes an 18 month waiting list for them to get on and, and this is particularly troubling in rare diseases because obviously those scale the scale of, of those processes is very small mm -hmm. so it's very difficult for them to get a slot and then sometimes that duration is obviously 18 months and sometimes costs as much as five to fifty five to twenty million dollars in wow. capital just to hold that space yeah. um, to further advance their science. So at, at our company at Germfree, we provide um, them access to a facility. Uh, we can provide a mobile uh, facility within three months mm -hmm. and then an actual permanent facility that they can work in within 12 months. So it keeps the science close and it can provide them a better way to spend their capital potentially. Yep. Um, it really depends on the model that they have and the other, how they've established their company. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, it sounds, I mean, it sounds exactly what a lot of these clinical stage biotechs need, really. And what about global reach then? How does that work? Are you global? Yes, we are. Um, we, we actually have a partner um, called Ardmac, mm -hmm. and uh, they're one of the Europeans, uh, Europe, Europe's um, largest cleanroom manufacturers. Uh -huh. So we've partnered with them, and um, and ultimately through uh, shipping and uh, so on, we can work globally. And there are local GC and our boots on the ground, so to speak, and helping realize some of these projects for manufacturers in Europe 
and elsewhere around the world. Excellent. So tell me, what do you what do you think when you think about the future of uh, manufacturing for cell and gene therapy companies? Where, where do you see it going? Well, the um, it's it's pretty significant the statistics. So if you look at where we are today in 2018, and you look forward to 2030, um, and just looking at cell and gene therapy alone, mm-hmm. you're going to see about a 19% CAGR in growth yep. between um, now and then. So that growth is going to be highly contingent upon removing some of the constraints yep. around manufacturing right now as it is, mm-hmm. and also um, having companies really being able to be successful in scaling their processes to be able to reach markets. Yep, yep. Excellent. I can, uh, I can certainly imagine uh, manufacturing is going to continue to be, I guess, a bit of a challenge for many companies moving forward, certainly for cell and gene therapies. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think that one of the, the, the beauties of working in rare disease is that um, the FDA and actually you know, our, our European regulators as well have realized um, through patient access and the need that they're very much, uh, there's a partnership amongst the regulators and industry and really trying to bring access to therapy sooner. Mm -hmm. So what that does is it takes what used to be a 10 to 15 year process of a drug approval and shortens it significantly sometimes as little as three years is when a product could be accessed by a patient to treat a rare disorder it can actually be curative so uh, so obviously um, that's extremely significant but we understand uh, Dr. Um, Peter Marks from CBER here in the the US um, and within the FDA has been very vocal about the needs for companies to be really looking forward within their commercialization process yep. earlier on um, because that is a much more rapid process than it used to be. And also he's uh, very been very vocal about the complexities about scale up and variability. Absolutely. You know, we're working with human cells now yep. in a, a completely different way than we ever have before. So there are significant challenges in this area and um, but regulators are certainly supporting industry and trying to come together on the science side to make sure that patient access is available, but also that risks are mitigated as well. Yes, I can certainly see some more guidelines are are needed and will be evolving as well in this area. Oh yes, absolutely, absolutely. Carol, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank Thank you. Thank you, appreciate the opportunity. Now on to Sophie Schmitz and her selected highlights from the WDC conference. So, Apana, this meeting has been fantastic, as it always is. I particularly enjoy the World Orphan Drug Congress because it's so multidimensional. You have people here from pharmaceutical industry. You have people here from patient groups. You have patients themselves, and there's a big difference between patients and, and advocates. And, and you also have people here from the consulting world. And those different perspectives give a really unique flavor to this particular conference so just from that perspective this is always a a great meeting to go to and to learn I think this year what made a big difference as well is the fact that we had so many different tracks so we had obviously the plenary sessions but we had nine different tracks as well and actually if you look at those different tracks three of them maybe even four of them sometimes were very focused on cell and gene therapy and this speaks volumes to me in terms of the future 
of orphan drugs and the uh, the opportunity for really personalized medicine for curative medicine in this area so i'm very encouraged about that um also was quite surprised about the presentations uh, some of the presentations that we had in that many of the companies at the moment are still striving for and looking for the right answer for gene therapy not necessarily just leading up to commercialization but after commercialization as well and what is the right approach and and nobody seems to have exactly the all of the answers and that's why these meetings are really great that's why this podcast is really great to be able to share stories share experiences and learning um, to be able to really make the most of of cell and gene therapy and to commercialize it most successfully I also particularly enjoyed this because I I met so many interesting characters and you always do at these meetings so from from Ben's friends for example uh, some of the stories that they had about setting up advocacy groups um, for very very small rare diseases where perhaps no advocacy actually exists and creating a platform for these patients and their families to be able to bond I met some incredibly inspirational people from companies over therapeutics for example people who are so dedicated, so passionate about what they're doing. Um, met people from very early startups looking for investment. Again, the passion that comes through with these individuals is, is quite exceptional. I think you only really find that in the world of, of rare diseases um, and orphan drugs. So all in all, it's been a great conference. I've certainly learned a lot. I hope that we've imparted our knowledge um, for cell and gene therapy to a few people as well. And certainly, encourage and welcome the opportunity to share and learn um, from others and from us as well over the years to come. Andre Singer talks to me about this year's WDC attendance and what to expect from next year's conference. Hi Andre, thank you for joining us at the weekly roundup. So uh, tell me a little bit about Terrapin and the WDC US uh, 2019. I believe this is uh, the uh, second or third year you're organizing? Ninth, actually. Ninth? Wow. Yes. That is, that is been, a, quite a, a long association. So tell us, tell us a little bit about um, what this year represented. Absolutely. Yeah, we're excited to host the event for the ninth year. I mean, it shows that there's uh, rare diseases continues to be such an important topic, you know, for, for different stakeholders. So um, the World Orphan Drug Congress USA 2019 was about... Uh, patient centricity and some of the most uh, contentious and uh, relevant topics in advancing rare disease research mm-hmm. and, um, and orphan drug development. Yep. So this year we had a lot of focus on uh, innovative therapies, uh, emerging therapies and the great field of cell and gene therapy development and commercialization. So that was represented really well across different uh, tracks of the program. Um, but also uh, strengthening the discussions around uh, patient centricity and patient data. Uh, which becomes a, um, a key topic in how you handle the privacy aspect, but really um, leveraging the, the willingness of the community for the greater good um, in terms of how data can be used to advance rare disease research. So we try to understand uh, this perspective from different angles and different stakeholders and uh, build constructive discussions around it. How successful was this year's uh, WDCS compared to previous years? What did you do new? Yeah. I think that compared to maybe the first few editions of the conference, uh, definitely the attendance. 
Uh, we had um, about 1,300 attendees registered, um, 11, uh, over 1,100 that actually came to, to the conference. So that's the you know, outstanding uh, success and evolution from the first editions of the conference. But I think the breadth of the program covering aspects from clinical development and regulatory to commercialization, advocacy, pricing and reimbursement, global market access, advanced therapies, as we mentioned, um, and a very successful pitch and partner platform where the smaller biotechs can come and pitch uh, to investors and prospective partners. Um, I think that that comprehensiveness of the program was definitely a key factor in, in the increased attendance and interest from, from different organizations. I think uh, for us, as, as this is an industry event, so for us it's a, a very uh, important aspect to have a balance of uh, participation from the patient advocacy groups and have this about next year, right? What's next for 2020? So we're excited that we are um, strengthening the discussions around um, advanced therapies uh, with three dedicated tracks, so really looking uh, deeper into the challenges of uh, cell and gene therapies for rare diseases. So we'll have a track focusing on clinical development, another one on uh, manufacturing, which remains a big hurdle in the space, and also commercialization. How do you price and reimburse uh, cell and gene therapies, but also make it accessible to the patients in need? Um, but also uh, bringing into perspective all the um, discussions around patient data, um, data analytics, um, digital health and AI, and how the advances in the field have helped in uh, advancing rare disease research and identifying patients and make sure that they have access to, to orphan drugs. Um, in a global aspect, we're willing to bring uh, a bigger participation from other countries, over 60 countries, and then continue to build up on the increased attendance with over 1,500 uh, attendees as we celebrate the 10th year uh, that we're hosting the World Orphan Drug Congress USA. Fantastic. Uh, certainly a milestone. Thank you, Andre, for talking to us. Thank you very much. And that's it for this episode. For more news and analysis, please go to our website, www.partnersforaccess.com. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. And don't forget to leave a comment. We would love to hear from you. Thanks for listening and see you soon.